Welcome to Lock. Quick programming note. Sorry to start the podcast awkwardly. Uh, this is my conversation with Matt Jennings. And one, we had some video issues, so only audio today. But then secondly, we talked a little bit about Max Duggan and Caleb Williams. We recorded this on a Sunday night uh, before the Heisman finalists were named on Monday. So there's some speculation about them being Heisman finalists. That's official. Max Duggan, congratulations to him. He is a Heisman finalist along with Caleb Williams. That being said, here's my conversation with Matt Jennings about TCU making the playoff. I'll have more on Max on Wednesday. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs. Let's get into it. Lockdown Horn Frogs, all you fans of a college football playoff participant. That sounds weird. We need a better word for that. We might discuss that. We'll also discuss, were you concerned about Max Duggan's health at some point yesterday? Because I kind of was. Uh, maybe it's just the dad in me. We'll talk about all that next. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. It is Locked On Horn Frogs. Uh, the number three TCU Horn Frogs who are in the college football playoff in playing Michigan on New Year's Eve in the afternoon. Uh, you get two episodes for the price of one, which is always free on this podcast network. I did an episode with Josh Neighbors that's also out on your Monday morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening. And then our weekly conversation with our pal Matt Jennings about uh, the game itself, which unfortunately was a loss. TCU falls to Kansas State in overtime 31-28. to but remains in the playoff field. And Matt, I know uh, you don't trust the college football playoff committee, which I mean, you know, up until today, there wasn't really a reason to, I guess, but how concerned were you uh, going into last night and this morning? And then, I mean, just sort of your thoughts on the fact that they're able to stay in despite the loss and the opportunity they have now to uh, go potentially play for a national championship. Yeah, I mean, to your first question, I was super nervous. I, I was I was saying that over the course of the week. Like in my mind, it was one way in. Like you you have one path into the playoff, and it's to win your conference title. Just because TCU hadn't been given as much credit um, from the committee as the other two undefeated teams, and I thought you dropped to one loss, Ohio State could pass you, and then I thought was there any logical reason why a two-loss Alabama that didn't even win its own division could uh, should pass you? No, but um, if there's a team with – if there's a team that would get passed up for them, I thought it would be TCU. And so I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see that not only did they, did they stay in, but they stayed at three. Um, and uh, that the, the debate for four really came down to Ohio State and Alabama, and, and TCU never really even entered into the discussion, which was – a breath of fresh air given to your point. Like I just like since 2014, um, just a, <laughs> just, uh, it's my instinct to not trust what the committee says until selection Sunday. You know what I mean? And so, um, that's kind of where I was at on that. And so, yeah, pleasantly surprised. And you know, you're in position where, um, not all of your goals are in front of you anymore. To your point, you lost on Saturday to a really good Kansas state team in a tough, hard fought game. Um, but your, your most important goals are, are still in front of you, which is getting to and, and, and winning a national championship. Um, it's an uphill battle. 
obviously you are you're going to be an, an, an underdog in um i think they opened as a nine or nine and a half underdog nine and a half point underdog against michigan depending on where you looked um and they'll be um that much or more against uh if they were to make it to the the title game um but hey at this point you're in a one game season and if you win that game you're in another one game season and you know Sunny Dyke said it today. He's like, uh, he's like, this is a brand new season for us. When he's talking to the team, uh, it's a brand new season for us. Let's um, reset. Let's let's get ourselves ready for for a game, and let's you know, let's as he loves to say, let's do our jobs and and see where things land. So, a couple aspects of the of the break that I want to talk about, and they're getting about four weeks off now, which they're not going to practice every single day. I mean, I, I assume they'll treat it like a New Year's Six bowl game. Usually there's a break for the players at some point during that time. There's also just kind of focus on rest and recovery. uh, And then the prep will happen. But the coaching staff has a long time to break this thing down. So, I mean, what to you is the more beneficial factor for TCU going into this game against Michigan? Is it the fact that they have all that time to prepare? Or is it the fact that they're finally getting – you know, a bye week and then some, and hopefully potentially will be the healthiest they've been in a long time when they uh, roll in the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve. Yeah. I lean toward the time for rest and, and, and recovery because to your point, like they played 11 straight games. They, they played their play the opener against Colorado and they played Tarleton and then they had a bye and then they played SMU and then their full big 12 schedule plus the big 12 title game all in a row, no breaks. I think Max Duggan was obviously gassed and just the, the, the workload that's been put on him this season has been a lot. Um, Kendra Miller's banged up. Darius Davis is banged up. Quentin, Quentin Johnston's banged up. Johnny Hodges banged up. Like on and on and on. And everyone's banged up at this point in the season, but not many teams have had to play that many games in a row without a break. And so I think that's huge for them. I would, um, obviously the extra time to prep is, is helpful. Um, I, I tend to um, – I don't love all that time before the before these bowl games because I think it means – I think that sometimes plays into – sometimes it plays into the favorite being able to kind of get a blowout sometimes because mm-hmm. they get time to rest and recover as well and they get a the chance to really like game plan for a team. Like the underdog can't sneak up on you the way that they might be able to in the regular season when you've got them on one week of prep, right? And so I think that doesn't play in TCU's favor – However, it does give Garrett Riley, Sonny Dykes, and the offensive staff a chance to, to cook up some stuff um, to throw at Michigan that maybe they haven't seen on film before. And I do think also um, the extra time for TCU's prep, not as big of a factor just because if you're playing a team that was a little bit more multiple or out there in terms of what they did offensively, then I think it would, it would, it would matter a little bit more for, for, for Joe Gillespie's side of the ball, um, trying to defend it. But Harbaugh's offense is very like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to out physical you. And they're really, yeah. really good at it. They don't need to put a whole bunch of bells and whistles on it. Um, and so really that's, that's a good point. That's, again, that's why the rest and recovery plays into it. It's like, if you want to be physically ready for that, having four weeks to get ready for that is great. No, that's a really good point. I mean, they are Michigan is what Iowa wishes they could be, which is just they oh, just yeah. line up in heavy packages, and they've run for over three thousand yards this year. And like, I mean, they've thrown the ball a little bit too, but 
they're just going to run the ball downhill at you. And there's, there's no like false read stuff. It's not like what Baylor and like what even K state was doing yesterday. It's just, Hey, here it is. Come stop it. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that it's like, it's simplistic or it's boring or anything like right. that. Um, but it, it, it's just, they have confidence in their personnel, which they have every reason to. Um, the fact that like their Heisman contender at running back, Corum went down with a season-ending injury, and they just put in his plug in Donovan Edwards, and he's just as good, and mm-hmm. they're just killing it anyway. Um, speaks to the depth and the and the talent that they have in that roster. So um, TC's got their work cut out for him in this matchup, um, which I know we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, so I, I all that to say, I do think these these extra weeks of rest are going to be key for TCU to be physically ready to go for sixty minutes uh, against that team. The good news for you. Even though you've got a talent disadvantage against them, in terms of, at least in terms of depth, maybe not in terms of your starting lineup, but definitely in terms of depth, guess what? You only need to be better than them for 60 minutes. You only need to match up with them for one game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's all that matters, right? And so that's the thing that – I think that's the attitude that you got to have heading into New Year's Eve. It's on New Year's Eve. That's a weird thing also. Anyways. Uh, so let's talk about Max Duggan for a minute. So he was really good yesterday. And it was a strange game. I mean, they they had a ton of big plays. Offense was never really in a great rhythm outside of that first drive, but they still scored, you know, 28 points in regulation. So a couple things. One, it was wild to see just how exhausted he was in the fourth quarter on that final drive. I mean, obviously laying it on the line, doing everything he could. He was heartbroken in the postgame media, which was really sad to see. I hope you know, for all these guys, if they can bounce back and win this game against Michigan, you just got to get that taste out of their mouth. But uh, a couple different ways we can go here, Matt. So first, I mean, he's in the Heisman discussion. I assume we'll be in New York. Caleb Williams did not play well on Friday. So if anybody held on to their ballots, maybe even in a loss, that was an impressive performance that can move the needle. And then for the moving on discussion, just with the games that are left, um, when the chips were down on against K-State Saturday, they kind of got back to like running the ball with him, which is something they hadn't done in a long time. Some of it was by design. Some of it was just play broke down and, you know, he was taking off. Uh, but that was, that was sort of an interesting subplot to, to the game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think, and we can come back to the Heisman discussion here in a second, but in terms of, he, yeah, he carried them. He ran on an 80-yard touchdown drive. He ran for 95 yards after penalties. Um, that that pushed them back a couple times. The only other player who had positive yardage on that drive was Amari Di Mercado, who had one five-yard run. The rest of the yardage was all Max Duggan, which is wild. Um, yeah. He was so good. And, yeah, no, to your point, it was both, right? It was both designs. They ran, um, uh, they ran a draw. Um, uh, or a couple draws, they ran QB power. And then, yeah, they, his big run was just like K-State was in man coverage. Um, the pressure got got there and he was able to elude it. And then all the defenders' backs were to him. So he was able to reel off an, a, a great run to get him into, into the red zone. And so um, I agree. I think they've really held – him back from running the ball like intentionally I I think in the interest of keeping him healthy all season right where it's like you know the workload that was on him the previous three seasons running the ball 
didn't help him in terms of being able to be healthy and be available and be effective as a passer. And, um, and so I think they were like, let's, let's be, let's pick our spots to have the design quarterback running. And, and we've even talked about this. He stayed in the pocket a lot more. Like he's not scrambled as much. And I think that has again, been like a coaching thing has been like, Hey, we want you to trust your protection. We want you to trust that your skill position players can make, can make the plays. Um, and we want you to stay healthy. Um, and, and he's developed as a passer in that way. He's been patient in the pocket and climbed up in the pocket, which has all been great. Again, though, now you end up in, I agree with you, and the chips were down, they went to him and asked him to, to carry them. And now, again, you're in a one-game season. Forget even what would come, a, a potential title game. Like The whole season now comes down to the next 60 minutes against Michigan. You got to empty the clip. You got to take care. You got to use every option that's available to you. And so I, I would be floored if we didn't suddenly see a lot more design quarterback run, um, uh, option plays, and see Max just like get the green light to scramble a lot more um, against Michigan than he has over the course of the rest of the season because you're not saving him for anything at this point. Like now it's like okay, like we saw you put it all online against K State. Take these four weeks, recuperate, get physically right. And then, like, let's actually use that intentionally as a weapon against Michigan as well, because it does add another dimension that the the defense has to account for. Um, and it was it it was kind of it was to your point, it was a weird throwback because it was so that was so something that he would have done, you know, in twenty nineteen yes. or twenty twenty um, in a big moment against a Texas or against an Oklahoma, right? Um, and so to see him uh, pull that out of nowhere um, was was fun. Um, I, I have trouble calling it a Heisman moment because I think a Heisman moment has to be in a win, right? Um, I don't think he's going to win the trophy, although I, I didn't think TCU was going to be third in the playoff rankings. So my word means what it means. Um, but um, I, think he, I think he inched closer um, to, to first place in, in, in the votes, at least for the folks who hadn't turned in their ballots yet. I do think Caleb Williams still wins it. Um, and I think Caleb Williams, it would be a deserving winner. Um, uh, but it, it, it's, it's wild to think what we thought of Max Duggan coming into the season and how we were, you know, you and I, and, and many people were all in on Ch- on Chandler Morris in September oh, yeah. and, um, for him to be, for Max Duggan to, um, have taken control of the job, led the offense the way he has, led the team the way he has and, and be in that position where he's, he's going to be in New York. It's just a matter of where he finishes in the balloting. Did you see the Caleb Williams tweet today? Yes. So I don't think this is anything. I, I, I think people played it. So do you want to give people the context of what it of, of what we're talking about? Yeah. So uh, Max was obviously really emotional yesterday, and there were a lot of videos circling around about – not about. I mean, it was just him kind of laying his heart out there. He was crying. He was upset that they lost which is completely understandable and totally okay. Uh, and a lot of people were, you know, giving out encouragement to him and just kind of admired his dedication. And so I don't remember who it was. It was one of like local TV guys who tweeted out a video of him, you know, crying and talking about wanting to bring a championship to TCU. And Caleb Williams just quote tweeted it and said, LOL. Um, and then he, he went back and like clarified, he deleted that tweet. 
he clarified a couple different times and said that he was a big fan of Max D, which I don't know why that's so funny to me, but I just got a kick out of him saying Max D instead of Max Duggan. It's not it's uh, not that long of a last name that you need to like oh save characters. But anyway, that he wasn't he was he was sort of comparing the double standard. I guess Caleb got emotional in the game against Utah and people were poking fun at him about it. And you know, Max is getting praised about it. Um I have a hot sports opinion that go for it. We need both of these guys. Like I think Caleb is kind of a punk and he's, you know, he has like the F Utah on his nails and that's sort of his tradition. And yeah, he seems like, he seems like a 20 year old who acts like a 20 year old and not like a 22 year old, like Max Duggan, who acts like he's 45, which is okay. I think we need, we need both of these people in college sports. We need Max who is like, the you know prototypical college athlete that you would uh pre-nil you would be like this is what college sports is about it's about grit and toughness and you know leading your team to victory and you also need caleb williams who is just like insanely talented and uh is sending messages to the other team with his fingernails and kind of tweeting recklessly i think you need both of those in this great theater of college football. But anyway, Matt, I know you, you're downplaying it a little bit. Some TCU people got kind of sensitive about it because college sports fans get really sensitive about everything. Uh, But I don't really think it was a thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, and I think it's interesting that you bring up, like we need both of them and, and how different they both are because Max Duggan is on social media. He's got Twitter. He's got Instagram not super active like he's like he's he's tweeted or posted on th- like like a couple times all season right very low-key like not super online right and so um so you have that on that side and then you have williams who like this seemed like a very online response because i had to dig i went and someone tagged me and said like oh like look what caleb said and I initially, and my initial reaction when I saw like his, his, at first I was like, let me go to his page. This might have been Photoshop, whatever, go to his page. And it just says, LOL. And then he follows it up with that kind of like backpedal or whatever. And I was like, Hmm, that's really weird. But when you scroll down in his timeline, you see like a couple other folks that he had retweeted and, his, and, and the picture becomes clear. Oh, he's not laughing at Max Duggan. I think the tweet that he originally retweeted was actually RG3 who said like, who wouldn't, how can you not root yeah, for Max? You're right. It was RG3. Yep. And so Caleb retweeted that and said, LOL. And, and to your point, he was laughing, not at Duggan crying, which Caleb was also crying after his team's gut wrenching championship game loss. Um, Rather, he was laughing at the reaction because again, this is why I say he, this feels like a really online response. I didn't see any of this, but apparently Caleb and some other folks saw like this, people to your point people making fun of 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 him like having an emotional reaction after a really hard fought game on friday against utah and so that was he was like laughing like doing the lol and doing the scoffing and doing the rolling his eyes at this kind of supposed double standard i think the i think he's a he's wrong in that like i don't think the people calling him like making fun of him or call, he, i think someone said that people called Caleb a crybaby, whatever. I didn't see that reaction like in Super the mainstream yeah. sense anyway. I think you only see that if you're really online and you see a bunch of fans tweeting sure. that at you, right? And so, yeah, it's it's this interesting dichotomy between like the way each of them kind of uh, reacts to things and presents themselves, which is totally fine. I have no, 
I don't think there's a reason for TCU fans to have beef with Caleb Williams. It's fine. It's whatever. They're going to both be in New York. It'll be, it'll be chill. Like, I yeah, think this again. I think this is a whole lot of nothing. It was a it was a funny, weird rabbit hole to get down for half an hour this afternoon. It's the type of tweet you would expect from a man whose pin tweet is, "I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man." And we need we need this. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. No, it it is it is like to your point about like. The parallels go beyond the numbers, but like when you talk about like old school, like whatever, like Max Duggan reminds, like you know, I was joking with folks. I was like, I'm gonna tell, I, I, like, I took one of the pictures of Max Duggan yesterday. I sent it to some friends. I was like, I'm gonna tell my kids that this was Tim Tebow. Like that's the kind of image that he has, and the kind of kind of player and, and attitude, whatever. And Caleb is much more of a much more of a Cam Newton, or much more of a. I'm trying to think of another of another good example. Maybe maybe uh maybe a, a nah, this is this is this is unfair to Caleb Williams. I was gonna say Johnny Menzel. I don't think that's fair to get Caleb Williams, but more of a like just no, yeah he's not like you know just uh, like I don't more know swagger, I mean, more attitude yeah, and stuff, which is totally attitude. fine. Um, I have I have no problem with it as well, but it is yeah again, it's just that fun, it's that funny kind of dichotomy. Um, and it'll and. Yeah, he ended up in a. He was very online this weekend, as a as a twenty year old is wont to do, and that's fine. And yeah, and he's fantastic. I think it won the Heisman. I don't think it was a big deal. It was just funny, and it's always funny at what people uh, what people react to. So I thought I'd bring it up in the context of that. Um, okay, so play calling. I have beef with uh, the play calling yesterday by Garrett Riley, and it's actually not so much about the goal line situation, even though I think that was a problem. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute to sneak or not to sneak. Um, but my issue was, and this is something they've kind of gotten away from, from the last few weeks. They're not running the ball enough. In my opinion, now Kendra Miller ended up with 17 carries, which was more than I thought when I looked at, you know, box score, but I, I don't think he's getting enough of, you know, a steady dose of a run plays. And then it, Here's here was my here's my vantage point and just kind of my thoughts as someone who's not obviously in the meeting rooms and doesn't quite you know fully understand what they're trying to do. I think they saw a depleted K-State secondary and they thought they could make hay throwing bombs. And I guess you could argue they did, but I just feel like they got way too pass happy. And K-State was heating up Max, they're bringing a ton of pressure. I'm just wondering, like, where were the outlets? Like, where where was the throws to the tight end? Where were some of these shorter routes that allow you to kind of bail out and get the ball out quicker and move the chains? Um, there was not enough of that, and I think it really hurt the the rhythm and the flow of the offense. Matt, what were your thoughts on the play calling? I felt like we had flashed back to 2020 and 2019 for a second, where it seemed like the only option was – you know, a go route or a post route down the field and just trying to hit those big plays time after time in the passing game. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think with running the ball, let's talk about that. Let's look at that part of the offense first. They weren't able to, and, and Kirk Herbstreit talked about this on the broadcast, against Texas, against Texas Tech, against a lot of teams this season, TCU has been the team that has controlled the line of scrimmage on offense, at least in the run game, and has leaned on teams over the course of four quarters. And then you start seeing them break off these big runs and really being able to take control in the third and fourth quarter, right? 
K-State's defensive line was, was the group that was controlling the line of scrimmage on Saturday. And so I think they got spooked by that on some level, and they were like, let's go to what our – what we for, uh, perceive our advantage to be is, which to your point, I, I agree. I think they, they liked their mass, their matchups with the receivers versus these K-State DBs. And they wanted to try and go after that. And they were doing that from the beginning of the game, from the first drive and early on it was working. Um, um, but then, yeah, once the run game wasn't, uh, I, I think they, for the first time this season, they, they kind of just kind of abandoned, not abandoned is a strong, is a strong word, but, but, we're not as interested in in running the ball and trying to control line of scrimmage and lean on the other team the way that they have been for a lot of the season. So I think that's part of it. I think I don't necessarily think that it's they they misevaluated their their matchup advantage. I think the receivers absolutely had the advantage against K State secondary, mm-hmm. and you saw that with Tay Barber was wide open for what would have been a touchdown um, if Max doesn't overthrow him. Uh, Quentin Johnston was wide open multiple times and beat and 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 beat his one-on-one matchups multiple times. Uh, Jordan Hudson had a chance for a touchdown on the last drive that callback for OPI, but uh, Savion Williams, like just they they had matchups that they wanted. Um, it's just to your point, K State just like carbon copied the Texas Tech game plan, the Texas game plan, and they said we're gonna sell out to stop the run and we're gonna we're gonna put as much pressure in max duggan's face as we can we're gonna and we're gonna force him into errant throws and um it was really really effective for for most of the game and so i think that's the thing for tcu going forward that you got to be really concerned about it's happened to you like three times now you have to have an answer for it. you have to use these four weeks to come up with what your answer for it for that is going to be because you know that's what Michigan's going to try and do to you as well, um, especially with the personnel and and the coaching that they have on defense. Um, they're one of the best defenses in the country, so y- you have to have an answer for that. Because um, and and I agree with you. I think um, having some some quick some quick game, some man beater concepts, pick plays, pre snap motion, um, just things to create easy open throws, easy open outlets and hot reads when those, when, when that pressure comes is so important because otherwise you're asking Max Duggan to stand back there and make throws with pressure in his face and make throws as he's getting hit for four quarters. And we saw the toll that took on that, the toll that that took on him uh, against K state. And that's just not fair to ask of him when you have options, right? You have Mm -hmm. options to get the ball to, you know, Darius Davis and Tay Barber and the tight ends in space. Um, and you know, in the middle of the field also. They, they, they did that on the first drive and then really got away from it um, for a lot of the rest of the game, which was concerning to me. So the, uh, the goal line stand, um, and there were some things going on there. Max, I thought, got cheated on the spot. Um, like he was really like an inch short, and they had the ball at the one-yard line basically. And I guess the big question, Matt, were you, I mean, were you screaming at the TV to let, let Max get under center and um, try to sneak that in? Did you want to see something towards the edges? I know Kendra, I mean, technically it looked like he snuck in there on third and goal, but getting stuffed to the goal line twice in a row when you're trying to run um, in the interior, which is where you've had success this year was, was not ideal. So what, what would you have liked to seen differently, if anything, on that, on that sequence of plays? Yeah. And, and for context, Sonny Dykes did come out after the game and say part of the reason they didn't uh, try and put the ball in Max Duggan's hands in that goal line situation 
um, was uh, on third and fourth and goal, I guess I should say, is um, it's just because of how banged up he was. And, um, and, and, and I think that's a, that's a defensible take, right? Um, you know, I, I'm I, not sure it is if you're sneaking. I mean, so, okay. So the sneak is an interesting thing. So first off on the spot, I don't really care about the spot in that. Like yeah. the ball is going backwards in. from where the, the ball is getting snapped backwards from, from where the center snapping it anyway. Um, I, it's, you got to go backwards, go forward. No matter what, I'm not a big fan. I doesn't, I didn't, a lot of people were upset about that. I get it. It wasn't, that wasn't the, the thing that resonated. It wasn't me. like the balls on um, the four. They were on the one still. The thing that, that, I feel about the sneak thing, and I saw a lot of people say this. I think that is correct. How, with the caveat, like the idea of like the QB sneak is the easiest way to get one yard in sports, right? Like it's, I, I get it. Do you want to do something that you don't do all the time, that you don't feel in like second nature, com- comfortable with? with the game on the line, third and goal in overtime. That's my thing, right? And I and so like I get like people and they didn't and to their credit, they they get on they got under center. If they had gotten in the pistol or in the shotgun, people I think people would have been even more upset, right? And then Kendra Miller gets stuffed at the one, you know, trying to run out of shotgun. Um they, they did go under center and they try to hand it off. Um but you know, to me, if it's not something that you do all the time, which I can't remember the last time I saw a TCU try and try and attempt a QB sneak, it's just like not, not really something that's in their arsenal that they try and do a lot. And like, what it to your point, what have you been really good at all year? Um, running the ball between the tackles, Kendry Miller, right? You haven't been really good at it in this particular game. Um, so I get the hesitation there, but um, I, it's not so much the play selection to me um but it is more i understand people saying that but to me you know what i would have liked to see is once you got one i would have liked to see a review on third and goal like act like big 12 came out after afterward and said that there was a review in the booth and they didn't stop play i i don't think it was it was a good review i think that it warranted stopping play and like getting multiple angles to look at it but whatever um, I think he got in. I think Kendrick got in on, on third and goal, but whatever. I think once you don't get in there, what I would have liked to see, this again would have been something that would have – they haven't done a lot. If they get under center and again and try and hit it Kendrick again, run play action on that and try and see if you can get um, either a throw for Max Duggan to make that's easy to a Jared Wiley or somebody, or if he can just run it in on like a naked bootleg – um if you if if k-state's really selling out that much um and then uh, something like that on fourth and goal trying the same thing when you got stuffed on the previous play stuffed on the previous play again i think he got in um but it was by this much if you did that's the thing to me is like trying the same thing again after you just barely barely got in or didn't get in at all you got to try something different um so those are the things to me i don't really care about the QB sneak. If it was again, if it was something that was in their arsenal, they did all the time that they were able to rely rely on a lot for short yard situations. Then yeah, sure, go for it. Um, I, I think other people had concerns about why did you go for on fourth and goal at all? Why didn't you kick a field goal? Um, which I think is a fair discussion. To I didn't mind going for on fourth and goal, but again, if you can go for on fourth and goal, um, give yourself 
a high percentage play. And in a game where K-State's defensive line had really controlled the line of scrimmage, is run into the teeth of that defensive line um, when you need one yard. Um, is that a high percentage play? Because it hadn't been for most of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm watching the play again on my phone right now, and I'm glad you brought this up because I have I have a couple different thoughts on this. So one, you talked about them being in the pistol or being in the gun and people being frustrated with that. I understand that, but um, my take on that honestly is I don't think they execute well under center. It's not something that they do very often, and I don't have like data to back that up. So maybe I shouldn't blatantly say that, but I mean, there's for a quarterback, like there's some ball handling. There's some footwork with handing Mm -hmm. the ball off from under center. That is pretty different from playing the gun. Also, like when, when you're in a three or four wide set, like the defense has to spread out at least a little bit. And there's still some things they can do to try to blow it up, but it's tougher to just sell out and, and get on the run. Um, so, go so ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I might be, I might be misremembering things too. So where they, they were in the pistol for those two plays. No, no, they or were they under were center. They? I'm saying, okay, okay. I, just, I, I don't sure think they, that. I don't think they execute well under center. So I, I yeah. would have been actually more comfortable with them being in the gun in that situation. Sure. Um, and handing the ball to Kendra. If they, if like, if they were going to go that route, like if that's what you want to do is get the ball Miller. I just think it might've been more effective to, to get because the numbers then Kendra's- to more. And Kendra's still coming downhill as opposed yeah. to in the shotgun where it's kind of like the coming across the quarterback's face thing. Um, if he's, if you're in the pistol, he's at least still like getting the, when he gets the ball in his hands, it's still with a head of steam. Right. And then I'm, I mean, honestly too, like I'm watching that play, uh, Richard Johnson, who you talked about earlier, like put together a really good gif of, of that play specifically the fourth and goal play where they got blown up. And I mean, we can debate the play call, but the bottom line is, like Avila pulled and uh, like Alan Ali, and I'm not trying to call people out because I, I don't really do that a whole lot on the show. The O line got blown up. Like it's the the nose guard for K State shoved Ali like three yards back in the backfield. Um, uh, Avila couldn't really pull cleanly because uh, Brandon Coleman got washed down by the defensive end. The fullback didn't have a great path. I mean, it was just like dead on arrival because K State bullied you up front. And that's that's not a play calling issue. That's just like execution. And those things happen. Like it's football. Like you the other team is on scholarship. They're trying to to win the game and and make the play too. But um I would have been like I would have been cool with a quarterback sneak. I'm just not sure it's like a slam dunk. It would have been an automatic right. Everyone, touchdown. Yeah, everyone's acting like, oh, like this is a sure thing. I was like, in again, unless you're under center and you're doing it all the time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would disagree with that. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's not so much that it's more the, um, it, it's more to me, if you're going to go for it in both of those situations, do a high percentage play, do something that has been working for you during that game. And so, um, if you're going to run it with Kendra Miller, K-State on the whole had been setting the edge really, really well for the whole game. But when Kendra Miller had gotten free, it had been on it had been on the outside. Um, running a stretch play out the one is really hard, um, and and maybe it would have been a horrible, horrible idea. Um, but we saw them do it against Iowa State last week, where you know he mm-hmm. you know he just kind of strings it out to the outside for a while. He his actually his touchdown against K State on Saturday um, was was heading to the outside as well. So you get him in a matchup where he's he's against a linebacker, or a safety, or a corner. 
rather than into the teeth of that defensive line, which again had been owning you for most of the game, maybe would have been a better choice. Creating some sort of misdirection or fake that would have get, put the ball in Duggan's hands, um, heading to the heading to the field side, um, maybe that would have done something. Or um, you know, go in the shotgun. I know people would have hated it, but go in the shotgun of the pistol and go after that matchup that you said that that you loved, right? Which is the receivers against these DBs. Uh, you had just done it on the two point conversion at the end of regulation with getting Jared Riley, fr- uh, Jared Wiley, free wide open. Um, for the mm-hmm. two point conversion, right? So like you can do it in 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 you know down there inside the five. Um, I think they got they got kind of like rope doped into playing K State's game on those two downs, and it wasn't smart, right? Um, go to your bread and butter. Go to you, what you're good at, um, or what's working for you at least on that day. Um, so that's really my more of my criticism of them um, in those situations. Um, all, and all that to say. Even with all being said, I think Kentry Miller got in on third down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I really think he did. Uh, you know that that the Big 12's official uh, officials' explanation after the fact was that the sky cam showed, and I'm not reading it verbatim, but I remember reading it that the sky cam showed that the ball came out and was recovered by TCU. But then you know you you spot the ball where the recovery happened, right? Um, but to me, there was no definitive proof that the ball came out before it crossed the goal line um if it did cross the goal line right and so that was their their, that was their basis for saying like oh it 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 can't be a fumble if it's a touchdown before the fumble you know what i mean and so um that was the thing that that irked me and then maybe even if you get that stoppage play for the review maybe they don't they don't overturn it but maybe you get a chance to that gives you a chance to breathe and say okay what did we see on that play from a blocking perspective what do we want to try on fourth and goal rather than just running a similar variation on the same thing on the next play. The TCU-Michigan matchup. Matt, your kind of initial thoughts. Where, What are some areas or one area that you think TCU could um, exploit and have an advantage against the Wolverines based on what you know about them so far? Yeah, I need to spend some time uh, getting to know them a little bit better. But I think um, one thing that stands out to me, and this kind of stand, this kind of runs counter to the things that we said as we were talking about the K-State game, I think it, this might be a game where it's okay for TCU to not worry so much about running the ball and try and get after Michigan throwing the ball and getting the ball downfield because Michigan's Michigan's defensive line is just really great and is really great at um, at kind of shutting down teams that want their identity to be running the ball. But you've seen uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. You saw Charlie Jones for Purdue. Um, you can make a lot of hay um, throwing the ball downfield against them if you've got um, athletes at receiver. TCU does, and so I, I, I think you run the ball enough with Kendra Miller to keep him honest and to um, to make him respect it. But I think you have to um, be ready and willing to um, throw the ball. Um, the balance you have to strike is. They don't give up a ton of big plays. They're gonna make you um, move and move methodically downfield and sustain drives, right? I think you can go for those chunk plays, absolutely. But the more you get off schedule and allow them to pin their ears back and go after Max Duggan, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a bad time, 
right? And so um, those are the things that stand out to me is can you stay on schedule? Can you avoid those really unfavorable downs and distances? And uh, can you get the ball to Quentin Johnson and Savion Williams um, uh, down the field and in space and let them um, get you into get you into scoring positions? And then do you take advantage of those scoring positions? Because that's the thing <laughs> Purdue had set for five field goals uh, in the Big Ten title game. Um, if they manage to convert even a couple of those touchdowns, it's a very, very different game. Seal that, uh, seal that fake flea flicker play from Jeff Brom that they ran. You see that one, Matt? That was amazing. Yeah, it was well executed. It was cool. Um, too bad they already ran that. I feel like Michigan might be a little more prepared for it this time. But, man, I'm excited. This should be fun. They, they made it in. First team from the state of Texas to do it. Um, they got a big recruiting weekend coming up on December 9th, and this will be a huge selling point for that. And and as they kind of close out this class, just a huge uh, momentum getter in that way. Matt, thank you so much for being with us. Um, the Frogs have done it. They they lost Saturday, but they won the war. They're headed to the college football playoff. We'll cover it here on Lockdown Horn.